بسم الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وعن ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من قرأ حرفا من كتاب الله فله حسنة والحسنة في عشر أمثالها لا أقول ألف لا ميم حرف ولكن ألف حرف ولام حرف وميم حرف طواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح so Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever reads a letter of the Qur'an uh, or a letter of the book of Allah ta'ala, that person will receive a good deed. And a good deed is rewarded uh, according to ten times its worth. Uh, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then uh, clarified because the word harf in the Arabic language, it can mean a letter, but it also can mean other things, uh, like a particle or just a small basic unit. So he said, he said explicitly, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that I don't say that alif lam mim counts as one harf, rather alif counts as a harf, lam counts as a harf, and mim uh, counts as a harf, uh, and it's narrated by Tirmidhi. Uh, and I think it's really uh, interesting that this. Particular example is given by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam because we have a lot of people who aren't able to understand part or all of the Arabic uh, in the Quran that they recite. Uh, well, guess what? No matter you know how wonderful your Arabic is and whatever, nobody understands what alif lam means. But still, uh, a person receives ten ten rewards minimum for the alif and for the lam and for the mim uh, and. Uh, uh, it's an ishara and an indication toward the, the, the reality of the book of Allah Ta'ala being more than, more than what people think of it on the surface. Because this, this is actually in many ways, it, 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 it's a subtle allusion toward a, a refutation of the aqid of the Mu'tazila, which considered the Qur'an to be the word of Allah or the speech of Allah only metaphorically and uh, tried to understand it through the realms, realm or the lens of rationality, not the realm, the lens of rationality, right? So there's a lot of the ulama, mashallah, they had a lot of, uh, a lot of ghayra uh, uh, when the, the Mu'tazila tried to like over-rationalize the deen uh, and they didn't try to over-rationalize the deen because they were more rational people and the ulama didn't have a bone to pick with them because they're anti-rational. But look, if you believe that this is wahi, comes, it's a revelation that comes from uh, a realm beyond time and space, then you have, to, you have to accept the fact that there are certain things you're not going to understand about it. And you have to accept the fact that it's overwhelming. And if Allah Ta'ala is Allah Ta'ala, then His haq will be overwhelming. And everything He brings will be overwhelming. And if you try to bring it down to the size of like what you're able to understand in its entirety, obviously there's a large parts of the deen that are actually well served by good understanding. But there's some things that are beyond it. If you try to hack everything down to size, that itself is irrational. That itself is irrational because then there's no need for Anbiya alayhi salam. And I mean, at the, the Mu'tazila was a big, big group of people. And there are some more extreme amongst them that didn't get much light of day uh, or, or in terms of like acceptance from the Ummah. That, you know, they believe things like that. Like, you know, everything that comes to revelation, the aql, the, the perfect aql or the perfect intellect was able to arrive at that uh, on its own anyway. Uh, thus defeating the point of, 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 of having any sort of wahi. So these things about like Laylatul Qadr is the night in which the Qur'an is revealed and it's worth more than a thousand nights. and It's kind of the overwhelming nature of the, of the Qur'an or of all these things. The ulama, they, they enjoyed 
sticking it to the Mu'tazila and saying, hey, yo, if this was, if this is supposed to all make sense, then what's this all about? Because it doesn't, it doesn't, it's irrational to say that all of these things are rational. There are a lot of things that don't make sense. So you can either say, okay, Alif Lam Mim is not a useful part of the Quran, or you can make up some meaning for it or whatever. But uh, the ulama had a, you know, they enjoyed sticking it to them. We mentioned, did I mention this before in this dars about the last hadith of Bukhari? The, the last hadith of Bukhari is Kalimatani Khafifatani ala lisani Habibatani la Rahmani Khafifatani ala lisani Thaqilatani fil Mizani Habibatani la Rahmani Subhanallah wa bihamdihi Subhanallah al Azim. There are two words or two phrases that are expressions that are light on the tongue and heavy in the scale pans on the day of judgment and uh, uh, um, and uh, uh, beloved to the, the, the most merciful to say subhanallah wa bihamdihi glory be to Allah and to be, him be praised subhanallah azim glory be to Allah uh, 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 the magnificent and uh, uh, one of the reasons Imam Bukhari left put it at the end of the book was to you know just like kind of shank the Mu'tazila on the way out because they used to have like they used to pick on like little weird stuff like oh Allah doesn't need like scales to weigh things so any reference in the Quran to scales is just completely just a metaphor for God's justice and His judgment no like it's like the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam if it was just a metaphor he wouldn't be talking about the deeds being actually weighed so at any rate uh, uh, you know when you have your approach to the Quran. Uh, like everything else, everything like everything else, there's a frame of reference you have to understand it from, and the first frame of reference you have to understand from is the frame of reference of aqidah. That in aqidah, what is the Quran? It's the eternal and uncreated speech of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. The ink on the paper and the words that come out of the the sounds that come out of the your your voice box and you know the movement of your lips and your tongue, etc. Um, the, that's not what the Quran is. The Quran is something real, more real and deeper than that. And uh, its reality is overwhelming. And these hadith regarding the fadail of the Quran only makes sense when a person gets to that or comes to that understanding. Go on. So Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas he said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said uh, the one who has inside of his the body cavity, inside of his chest, uh, uh, inside of the hollows of his body, um, that one that doesn't have any Quran, that person is the analogy, the analogy of that person is that of a, a house that's uh, not inhabited, a house that's been abandoned. There's no furniture there. There's no people there. The you know whatever the water doesn't work. There's no electricity. There's not obviously in the original times there was no running water and electricity in the houses. But the idea is that think about a house that's completely abandoned and there's no you know there's there's nothing going on over there. It's not a nice place to go. It's maybe somewhere like like in this country. What happens with houses like that? Usually meth meth addicts will take the copper out of the pipes. And, you know, usually drug addicts will go there to shoot up or, like, get high. Uh, or people will, like, smash in windows and do kind of weird things over there. It's not, it's not a nice place to come into. Um, and so the analogy of a human being that has inside of their heart some part of the Qur'an, it's like a house that's being kept, that's clean, that has people in it, the children are there, there's love there. It's something It has a different meaning. Um, you know, if, like, if, for example, if you li- used to live in a place... 
and then you come back years later after having moved and you have all these warm and fond memories and like the people who live there now are like not taking care of it. So it kind of upsets you or annoys you, right? So this is a superlative example that it's not just that, it's the, the place is completely abandoned. Uh, um, there's nothing, there's no khair left inside of it. And this is important to understand why, because uh, these are, these are sp- like spiritual realities. So a person may look real fit, physically fit, handsome, beautiful, wealthy, intelligent, all of those things. But to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that person is nothing. And someone might say, well, that's good for Allah, but for me, that looks really nice and wonderful. Well, the problem is that Yom Al-Qiyamah, when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's His, uh, uh, it's his uh, will that's done, and it's His uh, decree that, that matters. Nothing else really matters after that. And this is part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hilm. He, you know, one of His sifat is He's Al-Halim, He's the forbearant, which means what? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like us shackled in time and space, um, he doesn't have the impatience of being locked in sequential time. That a person may turn out to be a really good person, and because of that Allah Ta'ala loves them even when they're you know, kind of on their way and not there yet. And a person may be a really horrible person, and regardless how pious or wonderful they look in the middle, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala still despises that person. Um, and so he, that's what he's saying, he's pronouncing a reality regarding that heart, that heart that the Qur'an never entered into. Uh, that's an eternal pronouncement that this person is like, it's like the house that has no one living there, it's abandoned, it's useless. It's not being, uh, you know, its purpose is not being fulfilled. Uh, it's just a waste. Uh, and it's a shame. Uh, and just like that, the person whose heart doesn't have any, any, any of the Qur'an inside of it, that person is, uh, uh, that person is like an abandoned house. Um, and the commentators, they say, uh, uh, they say with regards to this hadith that also, um, there's like a sliding scale as well. So if the, the person who has some Qur'an, it's like the house is in kind of good condition. The person who's memorized the entire Qur'an makes amal on it, fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, reflects over its meanings, etc., etc., that that person, then their, their, their meaning is being fulfilled even more. Go ahead. وأن عبد الله بن عمرو بن العاص رضي الله عنهما عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يقال لصاحب القرآن اقرأ وارتقي ورتل كما كنت ترتل في الدنيا فإن منزلتك عند آخر آية تقرأها الله أبو داود وتلميذ وقال حسن صحيح سيدنا عبد الله بن عمرو بن ابن العاص رضي الله تعالى عنه وعنهما he narrates that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said that it will be said to the Sahibul Qur'an, I mean, the most, simple, the most simple meaning here is the companion of the Qur'an, but most of the commentators say this means the Hafiz, the one who's memorized the entire Qur'an. Uh, um, and uh, it's not like a unanimous consensus. Some of them say, no, it applies to everybody who has any part of the Qur'an memorized. But uh, most of them say that the Sahib al-Qur'an, this is a special honor that will be given to the Hufad of the Book of Allah Ta'ala. Uh, and not only just the hifz of memorization, that they can, without having to look, you know, recite the Qur'an. But hifz is an interesting word, right? Because like, memorize, memorize in English, I mean, you can see memory, remember, they have the same, they have like a, a, like a similar nominal stem, right? Whereas hifz isn't like that. 
Hafidha Yahfadhu is not like Dhakara Yadhkuru. Rather, Hafidha Yahfadhu means what? It means to guard or protect something. And the, the meaning of guard and protect, mashallah, um, it, it, it means not just in your memory, but also in your actions, in your thoughts. So there could be a person who can like parrot the words of the Qur'an, but they waste it. They waste the Qur'an in their actions, or they waste the Qur'an in the, the way that their mind is put together. This happens a whole lot. And sometimes you will find like in more comical, I mean, it would be comical if, if it's not funny, but in more comical examples, you have professional Qur'an reciters that like seem not to have been affected by the teachings of the Book of Allah Ta'ala even slightly. Even though, mashallah, generally speaking, even if a person has, uh, um, is re- relatively lax in their deen, having memorized the Qur'an, it has some effect on them. But there are some people who, you know, that's just their, their nasib in, in, in life is that they should receive the outward and they are bereft of any of the, the meaning of, uh, of the inward benefit of, of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But at any rate, the sahib al-Qur'an is what? The companion of the Qur'an. That the Qur'an is with them by day and night. And even the meaning of it, the hafiz is, hafiz just doesn't mean that you can like do like a, like a kacha taravi in a basement in Lombard. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the hafiz is the one who, I mean, was intended to uh, learn it holistically. Like the sahaba used to learn the, the Qur'an holistically. Like when they memorized the ayah, they'd also me- learn the meaning and they'd learn the fiqhi uh, implications and they would like, you know, learn the implications in aqidah and in akhlaq and whatever. Uh, and, and they would, you know, strive to like think, how do I practice this ayah? And then they would say like, okay, I'm going to practice this ayah for like the next week. And then they'll go and learn the next one. In such a way, there are many people, as the Khulafa Rashidun, uh, 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 all of them became hafad eventually, uh, according to according to uh, Suyuti. Uh, there's some difference of opinion as to whether they're hafaz during the life of the Prophet ﷺ or not. But all of them became hafaz eventually. The only one who was a hafiz during the life of the Prophet ﷺ was Sayyidina Uthman radiAllahu anhu. Otherwise, the rest of them, it was a gradual process for them to learn it. Uh, a, if Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and Sayyidina Umar radiallahu and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, they're going to take that amount of time to learn the, the, the hifs, then maybe hifs is more than just, you know, uh, what you can blow through at, you know, uh, blow through at, at one of our local masajid, Allah ta'ala reward our, mashallah, honorable hafaz that teach the hifs to, to the children. But there's a, it's part of that also that when the kid can, like, mashallah, breeze through a separa without any mistakes or whatever, without any mistakes, you know, it's good to tell them, like, okay, this is like step one. Inshallah, and this is such a high maqam with Allah Ta'ala. And then one day you'll learn Arabic, you'll understand what it means, you'll learn what the fiqh of this is, you'll understand what it is deep, and then you'll be a hafiz of Quran, you'll carry the Quran with you, and you'll be a protector of it, you'll be a sahib al Quran, a person who's like a companion of the Quran. So the angels will say to those people, and it's a hadith of the Prophet wasallam that there are the maqamat and the, the stations in Jannah are divvied up and parsed up by, by ayah. This, and there are other ahadith that may, may be mentioned that there's different ways of dividing the maqamat, the stations of Jannah. But they're, you know, and so they're not mutually exclusive of one another, but there, there are, right? Adadu daraj al jannati adadu ayil qurani. Man dakhal al jannata min ahl al qurani falaysa fawqahu daraja. It's narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Hakim narrates it, and he said it's, uh, uh, it's a hadith sahih. 
and Imam Bayhaqi narrates in his Shu'ab al-Iman that the number, there are stations are numbered also according to the number of ayat of the Qur'an and there's no maqam higher than the one who, the maqam of the person who's the hafiz of Qur'an. So, you know, one might say, well, what if someone's a hafiz of Qur'an and, you know, nowadays and they live in Villa Park, or does that mean that they'll be, with, you know, in the same maqam as the anbiya? Um, even those maqamat, there are gradations inside of them. But there is a, a counting or a, a division of Jannah that's according to, uh, according, to the, uh, uh, according to the ayat of the Qur'an. And in that, you know, in that like whatever scale, there's no, there's no maqam higher than the one for uh, hafiz of the Qur'an. And so the angels will say to the person, Iqra' wartaqi warattil. So three, three, three commands. One is Iqra' recite. Iqra' doesn't mean read, like you read a book. Even though, mashallah, uh, our Piyare Musliman uh, uh, brothers and sisters, mashallah, beloved brothers and sisters, they're like, we're the ummah of read, of Iqra', which means that the kids should read a whole bunch of books. It doesn't even make sense. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was uh, always unlettered. He never he never read anything. In fact, there there's a difference of opinion amongst the the the, the ulama that was he able to read and he just deliberately didn't, or was he unable to read? Many of the ulama say that he was able to read. He knew, but he made sure not to do anything through reading. So there's like a, a like you know times where he'll tell somebody you know like he told Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu to erase where it says Muhammad Rasulullah in the, in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and Sayyidina Ali out of, you know, he's like, he's like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And so he said, just, you know, don't make a big deal out of it. Just point to, to where it says that to me and I'll erase it with my own hand. And uh, 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 this was his shafaqah and his kindness to the ummah that he didn't make people do things that they were like super uncomfortable with. But uh, uh, here, iqra doesn't mean read, it means recite. It means to recite. So it's a recite, Wartaqi. Wartaqi means what? It means uh, 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 ascend. Right? Taraqi. Taraqi is the same, the same root, right? Irtaqi means ascend. Keep going up in, in rank. Waratil kama kunta turatil fid dunya. Kama kunta turatilu fid dunya. And uh, tartil is what? Tartil is to recite the Quran slowly enough that it's, uh, uh, all of its tajweed can be. Uh, it, it can be uh, uh, pronounced in the most perfect way that a person can possibly pronounce it. So it's not reading it so slow. Sometimes now they have something they call tahqiq. At least our Maliki ulama says a haram to recite like that. Because some people, they recite so slowly, uh, perhaps in order to pack in more like art, artistry into the recitation, uh, uh, they recite so slowly that in the middle of the ayah you forget like what the beginning of the ayah was about because it's just taking so long. Uh, but uh, tartil is not that. Tartil is slowing down enough so that you're able to hit the tajweed as well as you can. And at that speed, a person will naturally recite in the most aesthetically beautiful way as well. Although the beauty of a person's recitation has an inward reality and an outward reality, but the tartil is to recite slowly enough that you uh, you perfect it outwardly because when you recite really quick, it's lazim. It's 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 necessary that you'll miss, uh, you know, you'll miss a little bit uh, in terms of in terms of perfecting the tajweed. So the three commands: one is re recite, and the second is ascend, and the third is uh, 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 is to uh, make tartil, meaning read in a beautiful voice. And the fact that you're slow means it will take longer to read. So if as long as you're reading, you keep ascending, then the slower you read, the better.
So this is essentially the slowest uh, speed of recitation that's jaiz, that's permissible in the in the Sharia. That a person should keep reading and they keep reciting and they make tartil like they used to make tartil in this world. So those kids who are trying to like rush through the I'm talking to you, the, trying to rush through their sabak, right, just to get done and run away, right? Which says what? Kama kunta turatil fi dunya, kama kunta turatilu fi dunya, like you used to read in this world. So the one who reads more and who reads slower and with more enjoyment in this world, then is it going to be in, in in Jannah? Will they read faster or slower? Slower and the longer it takes for them to read, their maqam will be higher and higher and higher in Jannah. So it's a good thing. So it's not a people shouldn't be like in a a, a race to to get done with it. But inna manzilataka, manzilataka, inda akhiri ayatin taqra'uha. And the your manzil, your manzila, your your station in Jannah will be commensurate with the last uh, uh, verse that you recite. Um, and the commentators they write right like that the fakey fakey hafiz that's just like just kind of a poser that doesn't really whatever it's like munkar and nakira in the grave right uh you're not going to be able to be like oh smack this whole deen thing is real i better tell them that my deen is islam and stuff otherwise i'm going to hell right you can't fake it at that point your capacity to fake it is gone it's taken away from you and so here also your capacity to fake your your recitation is gone it's just a genuine reflection of what your relationship with the book of Allah Ta'ala is. This is, this is good because, mashallah, was, tomorrow is going to be the first day of Rajab, right? Uh, inshallah. So uh, Ramadan is around the corner. So it's good to like get that, like, uh, get, you know, know what the benefit is of the recitation of the Quran so a person can make the most benefit of Quran, uh, make, make the most benefit of, uh, of the recitation of the Quran outside of Ramadan and inside of Ramadan as well. And people should make niyyah that they go for the Salat al-Taraweeh and they should make niyyah of reciting the Quran as much as you can. Ramadan is not a time for iftar parties. It's... Oh my God, not a time for suhoor parties. I don't know when this thing started. And I was like in madrasa and I come back, people doing suhoor parties and stuff like that. Um, uh, it's definitely not a time for any of that stuff. Uh, it's not a time for, it's not a time to go to bayans and darses. That's what like the rest of the year is for. It's a time for dua, dhikr, salat and whatever else. Like, you know, when you're tired of standing or whatever, then just recite as much Quran as you can and make khatam one after the other, inshallah. So, Babul Amri Bitahudi Bilkurani, Tahdiri, Tahdirin, Tahdiri, Min, Taridi, Linisian. Go ahead. On Abi Musa Radiallahu and who are in the Bison Allah, who are in his Salamakan, Tahadu had the Kurana, the well lady next to Muhammad in Biadi, the Hua Ashadu, the fellow ten minute Ibidi, Yukuliha, Mutafakunali. So this is a chapter Noe brings then afterward uh, regarding the regarding the uh, commandment to um, to preserve the Quran, meaning to whatever you memorize to keep reciting it so that you don't forget. Uh, and the chapter regarding um, cautioning the Ummah from exposing it to f- being forgotten. How do you expose the Quran you memorize by but to being forgotten by not reciting it? So the one point I wanted to make before we, we move on from the from the last chapter with regards to this uh, this commandment to recite and to ascend and to 
make tartil of the Quran like a person used to make it in the dunya. This is a proof. This is a proof that your your ilm, if it's connected with wahi, your your knowledge in this dunya or of this dunya, all ends. Once your brain is gone, like the physical memories you have are gone, and uh, uh, the spiritual memories you have are of spiritual things. They're not physical things. And even if a person were to remember all their physics, math, all this other stuff, Yom Qiyamah is like a day that all the natural laws of everything is completely altered. So none of that stuff will be relevant anymore. It's like, uh, it's like a person who, uh, you know, whatever, knows how to use a telegram, telegraph, and then you hand them a smartphone. It's completely different. It's, you're, no longer, you're no longer in the same business anymore. Um, however... The Quran, this is again our aqidah regarding the Quran, that it's, it's eternal, uncreated, it comes from a place outside of time and space, or not dependent on time and space. And uh, the knowledge of wahi is like that as well. And so whatever ilm you go, like bichare, like you, mashallah, work so hard the whole week, putting 40, 40 hours at the office and this and that, and then like you only get two days off afterward, and by the time you're done with everything else, you're really tired, so who's going to like straggle into Riyadh al-Salihin? Well, the idea is this, is that the ilm that you get from this, you keep it with you. And this is a proof that the hafiz is still a hafiz in the grave, even though doctor and engineer is not doctor and engineer in the grave. And the, the, uh, uh, the nabi is still nabi in the grave, and in, in the akhirah, nabi forever, the hafiz is still a hafiz forever, alim, faqih, uh, those people, whatever ilm they have, and whatever, whatever maqam they have, they bring it with them. This is not to say that, like, obviously, the dunya doesn't help, if you had a lot of money and you're a doctor and you helped a lot of people, the the being a doctor or being an engineer is a great wasila and a great means to achieving other spiritual goals. But in and of itself, it's going to perish. Whereas the 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 uh, the, the the knowledge that's connected to wahi, that knowledge will from all of amongst all of the knowledge, that's the only one that's going to still be relevant. It's going to still stay with you. So it's worth putting in a little bit of effort. Like, you know, when you have like a portfolio, there's a high risk, high return, uh, uh, um, you know, so whatever you learn in the dunya, it's, you know, it's going to make you a lot of money. I'll be honest with you. Okay, learning fiqh is not going to make you a lot of money. And if you do, it's a sign something also has gone wrong in the middle as well. Um, so you put part of your time for that because it's going to last forever. So you don't leave it. You don't abandon it. If you don't have like a, a, a job and you're not paying your rent and you're not whatever, you starve to death, then that's not helping you learn any fiqh either, right? But, uh, or learn, memorize the Quran or any of that other stuff. But uh, a person should ha- know what the special value of this is, why a person should uh, expend their, their time and their abilities in, 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 in gaining this knowledge, uh, the root of which is the Quran. And Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he said, he said, ta'ahadu hadha al-Qur'an. All of you, all of you uh, um, guard, guard this Qur'an. Protect this Qur'an. Meaning what? The hifs of the Qur'an you should, you should guard it. How do you guard it? By reciting it again and again. Right? How do you keep from forgetting the Qur'an? By reciting it again and again, by reading it from the Mus'haf again and again. The ulama say that there's more reward in reading from the Mus'haf than there is in just reciting because then the eyes... Uh, uh, the eyes also participate with the ears and the tongue. Uh, however, uh, um, another benefit of it is that what is that your memory is some people not some people everybody their memory is also linked to like visual things. Some people have a photographic memory that's more powerful than others, but by seeing it, it helps you 
remember it even more. And that's one thing, I don't know if, you know, your Asatza said this to you, but I've heard this from many of the uh, Asatza of Hifs in Pakistan. They say, like, use the same Mus'haf. Don't, like, flip around and change Masahif when you're, when you're, when you're memorizing. Because oftentimes when you get stuck, you can actually, you know, summon the picture of the page in your head uh, as a technique of, like, getting yourself uh, unstuck from, from, from somewhere where you're, you're not remembering. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, uh, protect and make hifl of this, uh, 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 this uh, the, the, the remembrance of this Qur'an. Um, because I swear an oath uh, by him in whose hands is the soul of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is, it is uh, uh, always trying to uh, get away uh, like a, 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 a hobbled camel. So that a camel, if the, if it's hobbled, it's it's tied up with the, the hobbling cord. Um, that camel, if you let it go, it can obviously run faster than you. It will get away from you uh, if you let it go, if you don't pay attention. And the other thing is that, like, what are you going to do in the desert? You're not going to actually tie the camel up to a tree. There's no trees there. It's a desert, right? So there are large stretches of the desert that there's really nothing to tie it up with. So that's what they, that's what they do. Like the the. Old Arabs they used to wear turbans, but the you know they wear these like uh, kind of those coils on their head nowadays in the in the Khalij. What are those? Those are those are the hobbling cords for the camel originally. I mean now they're like real smooth like wool and you know kind of made to look real fancy and things like that. And they never will touch the 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 shank of a camel. But um, the idea was that if you tie the if you hobble the camel its two legs together, it can't move very far. So the idea is even if it's trying to get away, it'll just like make little little hops and it won't get very far. Um, whereas if you don't pay attention for a long time, it might get very far away. It may you know, go far enough away that you don't know where it went. Uh, whereas if uh, you, know, you always you know, keep an eye on it, it's not going to get that far. Uh, so the Quran is trying to, is, 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 is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam makes the, the, makes the analogy of the camel like trying to get away, the camel that's hobbled trying to get away, that if you don't keep an eye on it, it's going to get away. Um, and this is, this is the human part of, this is the human part of the book of Allah Ta'ala. Because we oftentimes say, oh, look, it's a miracle of the Quran. All the little kids memorize it. It's not easy. You didn't memorize it for free, did you? Right? Speaking of which, mashallah, uh, 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 Moana Aziz was one of the senior ulama here and the hips teacher of some of the people in the room as well. He uh, he had open heart surgery today, right? Or he had a stent put in. And he had a heart attack yesterday, right? Yeah, so everybody make dua for shifa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, give him shifa and, and, and uh, give him good health, inshallah, and bring him back to us and to his family and reward him for the pain and difficulty that he went through because he's really a, a, a real special person and a, a real uh, a special um, uh, just source of barakah that we have over here and uh, a proof that, you know, that the man who's famous is like Eid and the one who's not so well known is like Laylatul Qadr. Like, he's a very special person despite the fact that not a whole lot of people uh, know about him. Uh, and those who know about him don't know about his specialness. They just call him when they have a jinn problem or whatever. Uh, but, uh, uh, mashallah, one of the most learned and, and just wonderful people that we have in this area. So, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy to memorize, right? It's not, it's not easy to memorize. There's a lot, right? If it was easy, you would have been a hafiz by now, right? I would have been a hafiz by now if it was easy. 
that's the human element of it. Because we always say, oh, look, the Quran is so easy to remember and this and that and the other thing. Yeah, Allah Ta'ala gives His help to people, but at the same time, you have to, you have to put in the time and the effort. Uh, and it's worth it. And if you let it go, whose fault is that? It's just your own fault. Uh, and so Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam cautions the Ummah against, against that. Because it's, it's, it's hard, just like once the camel bolts, you can't get it back it's easier to it's actually easier to memorize in the first place than it is to correct a a, a a mixed up memory like once you've let it go so much that the words get all mixed up in your head and you that's like a train wreck that's really difficult to undo those knots it's easier to memorize in the first place the only way a person can prevent themselves from you know from from getting to that point where it's even worse than it was before is by constantly uh repeating so in in like whatever the triangle of death what's the uh what's the average number of repetitions that like a, a hif's kid has to do in order to memorize a page or memorize or sabak 40. 40 right you re- repeat the lesson 40 times you should memorize it right so in mauritania the way that they memorize is they, they repeat every sabak a thousand times and someone asked them some one of the desi ulama asked them like what's your system for door for review and they said, we don't have one. <laughs> if you repeat the lesson a thousand, 40 in a thousand, by the way, is like order of magnitude, like two orders of magnitude different. Like, that's a lot. There's a big difference there. Uh, two, you're jumping from two digits to four digits, right? So he said, if you repeat anything for a thousand times, you won't ever have to make dot of it again. And honestly, I never, my mashaykh, my, my I never saw them, I never saw them uh, miss, an, miss an eye or mess it up or switch or whatever. It just, it just doesn't happen. Uh, so, that's that's a different that's a different methodology. Um, I don't think our kids our kids would like rebel if we like subjected them to it. Um, but uh, that's that's how the the ummah used to take this seriously. It's because of this that they did things like that. Go ahead. وعن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إنما مثل صاحب القرآن كمثل إبل المعقلة. Yeah, so Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar who says something very similar that the likeness of the Sahib al-Qur'an, the Hafiz, the one who memorized the Qur'an, whether it be all of it or part of it, is not like nothing except for the camel that's tied. If the owner of the camel keeps an eye on it, uh, you know, he'll be able to restrain it from darting and if he unties it, it's gone. Go ahead. Babu is Tehbabi Tahsina Sauti Bil Kurani, Watada Bil Kira Ati Min Husna Sauti, Well Estima Ilaha. An Abi Hurera Taradi Allahu and Hukal, Similar to Rasulullah, his son in law, who Ali Husalam Yakul, Maadina Lahu, Lee Shay in Maadina Lina Bian, Hassana Sauti, Yetakana Bil Kurani, Jarubihi, Mutafakun Ali, Mana, Adina Lah. So the chapter regarding the 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 recommendation or the or, or liking uh, beautifying the voice with the Quran and seeking uh, uh, that a person should desire to recite the Quran with a beautiful voice and, and to hear it such as well. Um, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah anhu he narrates that. Uh, 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 or he said that I heard the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say um, Allah Ta'ala doesn't listen to anything like he listens to a prophet uh, who has a beautiful voice who uh, 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 
recites the Quran beautifully uh, out loud, and he recites it out loud. It's a hadith both of Bukhari and Muslim. Um, so here, what's the meaning of yataghanna? Uh, yataghanna. Um, yataghanna in like lexically, it means to sing. Uh, but it doesn't mean here that you sing the Quran like a, like an artist does. In fact, there's a difference of opinion, uh, and you can read about that in the in the muqaddimah of of the Tafsir Qurtubi, because Malik rahimullah taala he forbade people from reciting the Quran like a singer recites. Um, uh, whereas the Shafi'i rahimullah taala he he uh, uh, he said no, not only is it is it uh, permissible, but it's recommended as well. And uh, the 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 discussion that discussion or that difference of opinion revolves around what does the 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 meaning of taghani uh, uh, here mean? Uh, does it mean uh, that you re- you sing it like a song, or does it mean uh, uh, in the ma'na of istighna? Istighna means what? Right, ghani in the Arabic means a person who is wealthy. Um, Majazan, metaphorically. But the literal meaning of it is a person who is free of need. So uh, 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 Malik rahimahullah ta'ala argued that, that the, uh, the meaning of, 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 uh, of uh, taghani in these ahadith, it means to recite the Qur'an and not need anything other than that. So uh, one is like for ideological purposes that you don't need to read the Qur'an. And this is something that irritates me to no end, right? If you're giving a Jummah khutbah, or you're giving a dars, uh, 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 dars of like a formal dars, dars of ilm. One thing is people in their own conversations and things like that. You can talk about whatever you like, I guess, you know, within the bounds of Sharia. But like, I wouldn't be that judgmental. But somebody who's pre- presenting themselves as a person of knowledge in front of the qawm, uh, or uh, you know, giving like a ritual sermon, for example, and for God's sakes, they're quoting like the most weird people in their sermons just to sound cool and educated and whatever. Don't quote a kafir in your in your khutbah unless there's a real need for it in order to illustrate some point from wahi uh, as an example of it. In and of itself, there's it's completely inappropriate. And in your durus, and there are some people, they don't enjoy themselves until somebody quotes some sort of European philosopher or some sort of like whatever pop culture reference or whatever. That's not ilm. Ilm is that thing that stays with you when time and place cease to exist. That's not that's not ilm. That's not the madar of ilm. There's some people that are like, oh man, this is like this. Finally, there's an alim who's really like saying it and teaching it properly. And it just people say stuff like that, and all it does is it betrays their their jahl. It betrays their their ignorance that Allah Taala had clothed them in 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 in, in the hijab of his like of 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 his being a satir. And they removed the hijab and showed their nakedness in front of everybody, showed their shame in front of everybody. And they don't, they, you know, they don't even understand that they've done that. Uh, don't, 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 don't stand in front of the qawm and talk nonsense. Uh, or try to validate wahi by something that is kufr. Or issues from kufr. Or try to validate uh, 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 the words of Allah and His Rasul wasallam from the words of the creation. Because even Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa words, وَمَا يَنْتِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَاحِيُ يُوحَىٰ He doesn't speak from vain desire. Rather, even his speech is a wahi. It's a re- revelation that is revealed to him. 
sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so Malik, Malik took the, the meaning of taghani in, in these different places to mean what? To mean uh, uh, being sufficed by the Qur'an, not needing other than the Qur'an. And so, like I said, I mean, you want to quote somebody, you want to quote some philosopher or some pop figure or whatever, go ahead and do it outside of the masjid. Um, the Arabs used to enjoy poetry. They used to love poetry. And Rasulullah by and large, didn't stop people from, from their literary pursuits. I mean, the, the Qur'an uh, and the Sunnah, uh, they, they look down on, on those poets that talk about stupid things and pointless things. Uh, but there's also a recognition that there is great hikmah and wisdom in, in, in poetry and things like that. So Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, he found that people would stay in the masjid, right? This is a big thing nowadays. People are like, oh, masjid should just be, a, you know, shouldn't just be a place where you pray. Well, the name, you know, knowledge of, basic knowledge of sarf and like the actual word masjid indicate that that's actually what it is. It's a place where you make sajda. But further than that, they say, oh, like, you know, it should be, everything should happen over there. So Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, so people used to hang out in the time of the Salaf, they used to hang out in the masjid a lot. So uh, he noticed that there were a group of people who, uh, they would sit, and the poets, they would sit in the masjid. They're pious poets, right? Nice guys. Mashallah, dardi, uh, uh, you know, beard and like, you know, pray five times a day on time and stuff, you know, so they weren't like, like like whatever there's some other kind of more like the alcohol and like LSD and like those type of poets it wasn't it wasn't them and so Umar said Umar radiallahu anhu found you know found that they're just they sit in the masjid and they recite their poetry or they recite like cool poetry that they heard so he actually had a, a courtyard built outside of the masjid he said you guys when you want to do your poetry just go sit in that courtyard over there and uh, whoever wants to listen to you will listen to you and when you want to like recite the Quran or pray or whatever you can come inside the masjid after that uh, which is, you know, it's kind of, actually, if you think about it, it's kind of a compromise between the two models because uh, it's still not the masjid, but it, it's something kind of attached to it. It's not like kicking a person out and saying, like, get lost completely. But the point is this, is that the, there, there is some sacredness and some hurma to, uh, uh, to the deen that it doesn't, it shouldn't be tacked on with something that's not deen and it doesn't need anything else other than what is deen. So Shafi'i rahimullah ta'ala says, no, this means to recite in a singing voice. Now, culturally speaking, in America, the Shafi'i interpretation has won, and I don't think it's for entirely scholarly purposes. Although I don't have a, uh, I don't have a uh, like a beef or a bone to pick. That's fine if someone wants to recite the Quran in a nice voice, as long as it's within the rules of tajweed and things like that. Everybody likes to hear it. But uh, 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 Malik rahimullah ta'ala he makes that wheel of every uh, every place in the Quran where it said that. Or sorry, in the in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, where it said to recite with a beautiful voice, it means to say the tajweed properly. It doesn't mean to sing like a singer sings, because they used to the, the you know they were Malik was a sharif. He was from the Ashraf of the Arabs. He was from the noblemen of the Arabs, and uh, you know, super artistry in singing. They associated that with slaves. That was something like a slave does to uh, entertain you. So it's like, you know, imagine somebody brings like a dancer into the masjid. Uh, you're like, what is this? Like, get this person out of here. Would you want like a dancer to like lead the salat? Probably not. You know, you're not going to say, I hate you, you should go kill yourself, which is, you know, that's another extreme. But like, at the same time, that's not the type of person that the community will respect. And uh, what helps Malik's position also is the fact that he grew up, his asatiza were the, 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 the salaf themselves. 
So he he grew up in the in the masjid of the masjid and the he saw the tabi'in leading the prayer and all of them used to recite with a plain voice. So to this day in in Morocco Mauritania and things like that, even though the Mauritanians they they they'll be real hardcore when discussing the the fiqh of this issue, but you'll catch them reciting the Quran in a singing voice anyway. Uh, but they won't do it in the salat. The salat alhamdulillah rabbil alamin ar-rahman ar-rahim maliki yawmiddin so it's fine. They recite it with tajweed, and if they don't, they don't like try to justify it. But uh, their interpretation, the proper old school Maliki interpretation, is what is that it should be recited. The the beautification of the Quran is that it should be recited with 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 the most accurate tajweed possible. It shouldn't be sung like a uh, like a song. And uh, a Shafi'i said, no, it's uh, uh, it's uh, it means that it should be sung in a or listened to in a uh, or in recited in a singing voice. And uh, uh, one of the meanings also of taghani that the, the, the ulama have mentioned is that it should a person who has a person who has gham and has uh, uh, pain inside of their heart or feels uh, 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 some sort of like uh, uh, you know they, they have some sort of grief inside of their heart that the recitation of the Quran and the listening of the Quran should make them feel better. Uh, uh, that taghani bil Quran means what? That when you have some 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 bad feeling inside of your heart, that the recitation of the Quran should make you feel better. And this is something that's also experienced by many people. And you don't have to be a big super like hafiz or uh, a sheikh or or, or uh, you know whatever uh, big Sufi or whatever in order to uh, in order to have that feeling. There are many people like that, and people oftentimes it's very interesting. They don't they don't make quick. Uh, 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 refuge, take quick refuge in the Quran. Rather, they try everything else, and then when they have nothing else, they're like, "Oh man, I should probably try to read the Quran because whatever." And then it makes them feel better. Uh, so this is one of the meanings of of, of taghani also. So Abu Hurairah who says that I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam say, "Allah Taala doesn't listen to anything." Obviously, he hears everything. Listen here means what? Uh, listen, huwa isharatun ila rida wal qubul. That that uh, because the difference in listening and hearing, uh, um, it's a subtle difference in in the haq of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Here to listen means what? It means that that He accepts it, uh, uh, and He is pleased with it. That Allah Taala doesn't listen with the ear with the with the hearing of pleasure and acceptance to anything like He listens to a a, a prophet who has a beautiful voice, and all of the prophets have beautiful voices. And our Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa had the most beautiful of voices uh, from amongst the Prophet alayhi wa that he, he doesn't listen to anything like he listens to a, a, a Prophet who has a beautiful voice, recite the Qur'an uh, with taghani uh, uh, and recite it uh, so out loud. Go ahead. وَعَنْ أَبِي مُوسَى الْأَشَعْرِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ قال له لقد أوتيت مزمارا من مزامير آل داود متفق عليه وفي رواية لمسلم أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال له لو رأيتني وأنا أستمع لقراءتك البارحة. So Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari رضي الله عنه uh, For those of you who were there for my bayan in, uh, in the Yemen fundraiser which maybe a couple of you I think uh, we mentioned that Abu Musa al-Ash'ari was a Yemeni uh, who actually made hijra to Makkah Mukarramah before making hijra to Abyssinia and to Medina Munawwara. Um, at that time, 
uh, Yemen, Yemen was mostly like Jews and Christians. Or not, if not mostly, then a great number of them were uh, Jews and Christians. Uh, and it was at least, uh, at least a, a established part of the culture of Yemen. Uh, and they were uh, familiar with, with the, the prophets and with their stories. And they held them in honor. And so Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu, he, he recited the Qur'an for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So it's in that context that he said to him, um, indeed you were given a, a mizmar is like a, like, a, like a musical instrument. That you were given a, 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 a musical instrument from the musical instruments of the, uh, the, the, the family of Dawud alayhi salam. And the, uh, uh, the commentators say that the Ali Dawood here, it doesn't mean that like the family of Dawood was well known for reciting the Torah beautifully or reciting the Zabur beautifully. Rather, it's just him. Uh, it's it's the, the, like Al is like uh, what they call, uh, um, uh, call uh, Muqhama. It's, it's mentioned, but it doesn't have its meaning. It kind of like it burns up in the... In the uh, in the context of what's being said, he says you, it's as if you recite like Sayyidina Dawood Salam, which is a, a a very beautiful comment. Sorry, very beautiful compliment. And uh, uh, this is the riwayah of Muslim. Uh, sorry, the riwayah of Bukhari. The riwayah of Muslim. Uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam comments mentions to him the next day. He said that you recited so beautifully as if you were given the musical instrument of Dawood. The musical instrument here is a majaz metaphor for how beautiful his voice was, alayhi uh, salam. And he said that, that if only you could see how happy I was to hear you recite yesterday. So it's meaning reciting, reciting beautifully is, is, a, is, is, a, is a good thing. Again, does that mean to recite as if you're singing, or does that mean to uh, just perfect your tajweed and your sight? This is a difference of opinion amongst the fuqaha that we don't, you know, alhamdulillah, mashallah, I think we're not, we're at a point here that this is not really anything that we should like pick grudges with one, one another, whoever picks whatever, inshallah, as long as you're not robbing a liquor store, recite the Quran however you think is best amongst the parameters of the, of the ulama, but um, reciting it well is a good thing. So people should learn tajweed. And that's another thing, to learn Tajweed is not that difficult. There are like a bunch of people who know Tajweed. I mean, mashallah, the knowledge of Tajweed is relatively well proliferated in this country, even when compared to 15, 20 years ago. Like, I remember when I first heard Tajweed, I was like, oh man, it's like Quran 2.0, man. Like, I never heard this before. But like, now, alhamdulillah, people know Tajweed, mashallah. Uh, قال سمعت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قرأ في العشاء بالتين والزيتون فما سمعت أحدا أحسن صوتا منه متفق عليه. Sayyidina Bara ibn Azib رضي الله تعالى عنه said that I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم recite in Salat al-Isha والتين والزيتون and I never heard anything a voice more beautiful than than his or than than it. Go ahead. وعن أبي لبابة بشير بن عبد المنذر رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من لم يتغنى بالقرآن فليس منا وهو أبو داود بإسناد جيد ومعنى يتغنى يحسن صوته بالقرآن So Abu Lubaba رضي الله عنه narrates that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said whoever doesn't recite the Quran with تغني so meaning either they recite it in a singing voice or they, they recite it in such a way that they have need for nothing else other than it uh, um, that per, the person who can't do the, that thing, uh, he's not one of us, uh, and it's a, a meaning he doesn't recite the way that we recite. 
and it's the hadith of Abu Dawood. And uh, Nawi, you know, Nawi remarks that yataghanna here means to recite the Qur'an in a beautiful voice, which he would say because he's Shafi'i. Allah Ta'ala have mercy on all of them, mashallah. Go ahead. وعن ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه قال قال لي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اقرأ علي القرآن فقلت يا رسول الله اقرأ عليك وعليك انزل قال اني احب ان اسمعه من غيري فقرأت عليه سورة النساء حتى جئت الى هذه الآية فكيف اذا جئنا بك من كل امة بشهيد وجئنا بك على هؤلاء شهيدا قال حسبك الان فالتفت اليه فاذا عيناه تذرفان متفق عليه Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud narrates that the Prophet once said to me, recite, uh, recite to me the Qur'an. Uh, and I said, O Messenger of Allah, uh, how, how, how can I recite to you uh, and you're the one upon whom the Qur'an was revealed? Should I recite to you even though you're the one upon whom the Qur'an was revealed? Meaning you know it better than I do. Um, he said, no, I like to hear it from other than me. I like to hear it from other than me. There's like a slight, a very, I shouldn't say slight, it's big, but it's very subtle, a very subtle ishara and allusion to a principle in, in the deen here, which is working for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala and being recipient of the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, one is an active process and the other is a passive process. Which process is superior, the active one or the passive one? What? It's the passive one. Usually people, dunyawi people, they say it's the active one. Why? Because they want to be in control of stuff. The idea is if you're going to do what you're going to do, most human beings, in fact all human beings, if bereft of hidayah and guidance from Allah Ta'ala, will end up destroying the entire world in order to satiate themselves. There's no khayr in that. Rather, uh, 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 the, 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 the sigha of, of, of being maf'ul uh, versus being fa'il, maf'ul has more barakah in it. The, the, the one who is a passive recipient of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, grace is superior to the one who is actively working for it. Why? Because at the best, they're going to be even. Because the person who's working for it, they're working for it so that they can receive it. So the, the former exerted himself, whereas the latter, there's no need to exert. You're just getting it right now. This is part of the, the, the secret of the superiority of Sayyidina Abu Bakr over Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu. And uh, this is one of the reasons Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, he learned this lesson from Sayyidina Abu Bakr, who is his shaykh after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And he learned this lesson from him, and you see he's like like ultra-mellow in his old age. Why? Because mushahada is superior to mujahada. To bear witness to the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a, is a, is a, 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 a spiritual path that's more powerful and will move a person along faster than, than, uh, uh, than a person's own struggles and a person's own deeds. Now, you know, as a complete novice like someone like myself, this doesn't mean that I'm be like, oh, I'm going to stop doing good deeds and I'm just going to like contemplate over the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to be in a position in order to do that as well. Uh, and that requires a lot of what, what I refer to as the remedial work of tasawwuf. That you have to get your heart right in a position to be able to understand what any of this means in the first place. The point is, is what? That even the name of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is Muhammad. It's not Muhammad. It's, it's the, even the name of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is that he's the one who is praised. He's not the one who's 
the name doesn't mean the one who's praising, even though Rasulullah no one praised Allah Ta'ala like he did, or as much as he did. But it means that he's the one who's praised. What's the point of praising Allah Ta'ala and loving Allah Ta'ala if he doesn't love you? And if he loves you, who you know, what is what need is there to ask any other question afterward? Whether you earned it, you didn't earn it, you deserve it, you didn't deserve it, all of those things become irrelevant at that point. Uh, uh, so there's a sh- subtle ishara here that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he, re- he loved to hear the Quran from other than him he loved that it passed over him as well his job, his wadifa, everyone has a job in this, in this world right? Uh, even if you're unemployed your job is to look for work everybody has, 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 has a job that they have to do in this world even if you're dying, you know, your job at that time is what? Make istighfar, make dhikr, you know, make dua for the ummah, do all of these. Everyone has something that they should be doing at, 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 at some point. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his job was what? His greatest job and his greatest responsibility, his wadifa was to take the amana and the trust of the Qur'an and give it to the people. So he had to recite it. But for his own, uh, spiritual, uh, uh, for his own spirituality, he enjoyed hearing it. Uh, from other than him. So they're like Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu recited it, etc. It's like, you'll see it's very rare that, for example, the Messenger of Allah is there and someone else will lead the prayer. It only happens through like some sort of adverse circumstance, a couple of handful, less than, you know, uh, what you can count on fingers uh, in one hand that, that's, that, that's mentioned someone else led the prayer. Why? Because he's the Messenger of Allah, he's the Imam, he has to lead the prayer. However, you'll see often, there are many times that the, many Sahaba radiallahu anhu, he used to enjoy listening from them and hearing from them as well. And I, I take from, the, from this the, the, the subtle ishara toward, toward what? Toward uh, being the passive recipient of Allah Ta'ala's grace, that this was the preference uh, of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa the person who trusts in Allah Ta'ala, uh, 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 Allah is sufficient for them. And uh, uh, Allah Ta'ala says, you know, ask from, ask, or Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, ask from Allah Ta'ala beautifully and don't, don't be in haste that just because what you're asking for didn't come right when you asked for it, that that, that, that impatience should carry you toward his disobedience in order to receive that, receive that thing that you were asking for. Because Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, because Allah's fadl, Allah's grace isn't received through his disobedience. And so this is a, a, you know, this is a, a, a lot of people, you know, I guess they, uh, they try real hard, they work real hard, like punching their fist in the wind. And it's like the person who keeps changing lanes in traffic, that you change lanes because the other lane seems like it's going faster. And then once you change lanes, you see the guy behind you pass. Uh, sometimes uh, you have to just let the system work. And that, that, that ability is uh, only to be gotten through what? through uh, uh, letting the fadl of Allah Ta'ala pass over you rather than trying to do it all yourself. Uh, so he says, I like to hear it from other than me. So, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud then says, I recited to him from Surah An-Nisa until I got to, the, to this ayah. Now, how will it be when we uh, 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 bring uh, uh, a witness from every people and we bring you as a witness over over uh, over these people over these we over these people we bring you as a witness, and so meaning what that the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam to bear witness against somebody is a it's not it's not like a, it's it, it's not a, a sign that you're doing something in their favor. So you know that Allah Taala made this ummah to be a to be witnesses over mankind 
Allah will ask them, that, did I not tell you not to kill, not to steal, not to worship other than me, not to curse your parents, not to do all of these things? And uh, uh, they'll say, well, we didn't know. And then he'll ask this ummah, didn't you tell them? And so some people will be able to say, yes, I told them. And you're, you're, uh, you know, you're off the hook then. They're stuck with their sins. And, but if they say, well, they didn't even tell me. I went to work with whatever, uh, I went to work with Mo for like, what are 20 years, and he never mentioned any of these things to me. Then Allah Ta'ala will call the Prophet shahidan. That the, Allah Ta'ala will call the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and say, did you not, did you not give the, the, the message that they should have received? He says, yes, yeah, Allah, I gave it. So imagine the Nabi who's supposed to be rahmatul uh, alamina. Uh, that he's supposed to be a mercy for the world. If his testimony is against you, then something has gone very horribly wrong. This, by the way, there's this kind of like weird YouTube videos floating around that, mashallah, everybody makes everybody remember Aqidah exists again. Um, so somebody, somebody asks like, oh, the people didn't receive the, the people didn't receive the, the message, so they won't be, you know, they won't be asked about it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the question comes, well, if people are not going to be asked by Allah Ta'ala if they didn't receive the message, what's the point of giving them the message that there's a great likelihood that they're not going to accept? And uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of benefit in it, and there's a lot of uh, reasons. But a very immediate and practical reason is what? Whether they accept it or not, it's their problem. Whether you deliver it or not, is your problem. And imagine Rasul Sallallahu is called against you to bear witness because you didn't tell somebody, because you were afraid that... I mean, there's this sickness inside of a person's thought process, thinking that I'm not going to tell them the message because they won't accept it. Why wouldn't a person accept it? The message makes a lot of sense. People will accept it. Um, if you have no confidence in it at all, then that shows the weakness of your iman as well. But whether or not any of those things exist... Just the understanding that a person knows that Allah Ta'ala is going to ask, did you de- de- deliver the part of the message you knew? You're not going to be asked, like, did you explain to them, you know, uh, some subtle usuli point. But like simple things, if you never mentioned it to, to, to others, and you don't have to always say it by word. You don't have to be like, okay, here, Jim, at work, here's a pamphlet about the oneness of Allah. There's three types of tawheed or whatever. You, no, uh, you know, just them seeing you pray is you delivering the message to them. Just them, you know, uh, you know, you share your iftar with them, it's delivering the message to them. The one who completely goes incognito and undercover, Allah Ta'ala is going to ask you about it. And, when, you know, and the Rasul will bear witness against you. That's, that's, not a, that's not a good thing that a person should look forward to. Rather, a person should look forward to the shafa'ah of the Prophet And they should look forward to drinking from the hawd of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They shouldn't, they shouldn't uh, uh, kind of snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. Uh, by by uh, uh, invoking uh, the one who should be the rahmatul alamin as a uh, uh, as a, uh, a witness against them, and so uh, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Masood radiyallahu anhu he, uh, he 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 read when he got to this ayah that Allah Ta'ala asked the question, how will it be on the day that we uh, bring a witness over every uh, people and uh, we bring over these ones you as a witness. Uh, and the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Abdul bin Masud, who was occupied in his recitation, the Prophet ﷺ stopped him. He said, "That's enough. Uh, now, now stop. That's enough." Uh, and he said that I looked up at him and I, I saw that his eyes are uh, flowing with tears. And what what are the tears for? The tears are what that his own shafaqa and rahmah and the ummah 
that the idea that he's going to have to bear witness against somebody in the ummah, it was overwhelming for him. And this also is a sign that this wasn't just like, you know, people, that's what they say, a'udhu billah about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that he just, he's a bashar, he made up the book, he made it up on his own, and it's just like an anthology of his own like poetry and literature, and it's whatever, uh, that he made it up to sound nice, right? The aesthetic quality of the, the, the Qur'an is not what made him cry. What is it? It's the meaning. Uh, and this is a sign that the, the wahi is something that, that was real. It affected him in a way that if someone was faking it, they wouldn't affect him that way. At any rate, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, make, make us from the people of the Qur'an who recite it, and Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq, whatever we forgot from it that we remember again, and whatever we remember that we keep reciting it again and again in this dunya, uh, and that we not forget it, and the yawm al-qiyamah be a, a source of elevation of rank for us. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.